Welcome to Lean Leadership for Ops Managers, the podcast for leaders in ops management who want to spark improvement, foster engagement, and boost problem solving, and still get their day job done. Here's your host, leadership trainer, lean enthusiast, and spy thriller junkie, Jamie V. Parker. You know your organizational purpose and values and strategic goals, but how do you talk about them in a way that different people throughout your organization feel connected and engaged with? Definitely stay tuned to the end for this great executive series conversation with Justin Woodard, owner and CEO of Woodard Cleaning and Restoration. It's a company that helps people get back to their lives by cleaning up and repairing everything from day-to-day spills and accidents to water, fire, and mold disasters in your home or business. Six years ago, Justin articulated the Woodard way, merging the values his grandparents founded the company on, his dad's focus on legendary service, and his own vision of a future where the people of Woodard help 1 million people get back to their lives. Now, Justin believes that the culture and relationships that exist inside a company are the most reliable predictor of success. And the culture he aspires to build is an environment where folks are encouraged to overcome their self-imposed limits to do harder, better, and more important things than they would on their own. In today's conversation, we're digging into the Woodard way with a particular focus on how Justin and leaders in the organization communicate in a way that many different people can connect with. Now, I love my conversation with Justin, and I hope you stick around to the end because I'm going to put some pieces together and talk about next steps. All right, let's dive in. Justin, welcome to the show today. Hi, Jamie. Good to be here with you. All right, well, let's jump in, and we're going to start off our conversation with a question about you. So tell us about a value or mantra, a principle, a quote, something that you feel really embodies your beliefs about leadership. I think the thing that I'd like to share this morning about leadership uh, starts with a quote, and then I'll describe how it fits into Woodard. And the, the quote is from a guy named David Foster Wallace. He said that effective leaders are those who help us overcome the limits of our own weaknesses, laziness, selfishness, and fears uh, to get to do harder, better things and more important things than we could ourselves do on our own. And, you know, I think about this idea that, you know, who is a leader and, and, and who can be a leader? And I really want to believe that anybody and everybody can be a leader. And sometimes we get this, this thing that kind of, uh, you know, gets, gets mixed together. And we say leader, sometimes we say manager, sometimes, and we say boss sometimes, right? And, you know, I, I'm really, my, my view on leadership is I really want to open and expand the, uh, the, the, the environment and the area and the belief of people uh, that, that everybody can be a leader. And there actually is a little bit of leader or leadership in all of us in that just walking alongside somebody, um, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're just having a bad day and you're walking along and encouraging them to do something that, you know, just showing up is hard sometimes. Um, or maybe it's being able to support somebody on a project that they've never tried before or an endeavor that they've, uh, you know, wanted to do for a long time. And they're just now having the courage uh, to go out and do that. And, you know, when I think about David Foster Wallace's quote, I, that's what I think about is like, I want to be able to create an environment where everybody feels like they could be a leader and that they are always, 
they, they just around the corner, there is somebody that can show up for them as a leader when they need encouragement, when they need that, you know, that little bit of courage, or they need that little push or, or, or just that somebody to ask how they're doing and, and how things are going um, and what they want to try next. And I feel like if, if we can create more and more of those environments and, and open this, uh, you know, open the view of leadership that it can be anybody at any time, and you don't have to be one every day or all the time. But there is room for all of us to be a leader for somebody else at any given time. Oh, that's good. Why <laughs> not? You're starting off there, right? <laughs> Just going right for it. That is really good. And, and what a great way to think about it, you know, particularly, and we'll talk about how you're building your organization and is that this everybody can be a leader for someone else, you know, at, at different points of time and, um, you know, breathing that courage. I know you're, you, you're friends with Mark Braun and he was on talking about breathing courage uh, into others as leadership. And that's exactly what it sounded like a little bit you were talking about there. Awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, learn a little bit about your organization. Uh, tell us about Woodard. Who does your organization serve and how do you create value? Wonderful. Well, for folks that don't know, Woodard is a, a third generation uh, business. We have, we've been in business for 75 years. My grandparents started our business in 1946. And uh, currently we are, the thing that we are doing for other people, the value that we provide is we want to help people get back to their lives. Right. And so that might be uh, looking around your house and realizing that your sofa or your carpet is dirty and you don't really know how to clean it or don't have time or don't want to. And we can show up and uh, uh, do that for you. Right. That also might look like a really bad hole in your roof where like a tree came through and you've got a disaster uh, that is really, really uh, uh, traumatic. Uh, And that could be a water damage situation, a fire damage situation, um, or some sort of storm. And what we're looking to do is help you get back to your life. And we do that by cleaning up after those sorts of disasters, um, uh, drying out uh, facilities and homes, cleaning them up, and then repairing them and getting them back to a, a state where you can get back to your life and be with your family or uh, be uh, in, in, in your business with uh, the people that, uh, that you're working with uh, and do the thing that you're, that you're meant to do. Yes. As ha- someone who has been through those types of scenarios, as I'm sure many of our listeners have, it is, it would be just so nice to have someone who's like, oh, we're just going to help you get back to your life, help you get through this and get back to your life. Um, because it is, it can be a big deal. Uh, you know, of course, depending on the scenario that caused it. Yeah, for sure. It, 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 it does seem a little bit dramatic sometimes when we're just talking about carpet cleaning, right? Uh, but I do believe that uh, our homes are pretty special to us. And when we see that little thing that really isn't quite right, it kind of it kind of sits in there and bugs you. And mm-hmm. so if you can call somebody and have them take care of something that is, uh, you know, that's just not quite right for you, I really do believe that gives a peace of mind to a, a homeowner, you know, and uh, can help them uh, just breathe easier and, you know, be with their family a little bit more, or be with their friends or do something that they really want to do besides uh, that thing that's bugging them. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So Justin, listen, so you and I met, I don't remember, I was trying to think of how long ago it was. And I want to say it was like five-ish years ago. Um, But we met when we were both attending a Chapman and Company Leadership Institute class. Um, So I went to a few classes. I think the one that we met at was about leading with purpose. Um, And I don't know if you were just buying the company at that time, about to just did something, right? I think you got it just right. I hadn't bought the company yet but it was about a year and a bit beforehand. Um, I had taken over the leadership of our, of our company from my dad the year prior. So I was in this kind of in-between time where I was technically the president of the company, but I had not bought the company yet. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So now you, now you have, right? So you've got this third generation company, but you're now 
the guy, right? It's going to all fall on your shoulders. So it's your vision, but it's also your responsibility. So tell us a little bit about what was kind of going through your mind as you were thinking about um, being and leading a purpose-driven organization. If we go back in time to that point, I don't think I really had any idea what the purpose-driven organization was, right? I think I had a some idealistic view that, you know, if I cared, everybody would care, right? Like, mm. I, you know, I, I I don't think I really uh, could have articulated what it what it means in the same way that I that I would now. About eighteen months before I met you, my dad actually was diagnosed with cancer. He went through a six month, uh, you know, chemo treatment, and you know, he battled and did all this stuff, and you know, he is seven years cancer free now. Every, all of that sort, that whole story played mm-hmm. out in a really wonderful way from a health perspective. Um, in the moment, though, he we basically had a fire drill of our own at Woodard. We he left. He had to go. He had to go get healthy during that time that year. Uh, we struggled. We didn't necessarily have a leader because I I wasn't uh, I wasn't the leader at that part at that moment in time, and we didn't really know where we were going. And we just held on and tried to make sure that we had a company that was viable when, when he came back. And the year after he came back, he, 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 he basically told me he needed to retire, <laughs> right? He's like, you know, Justin, this is, I've, I've got other things that I want to do. And I trust you and your team that you've been building to do this. And so I'd like, I think let's, let's design a, a transition path to be able to do that. We executed that over about the course of a year. And by the end of that second year, in that transition time, you know, we did, we did pretty good, right? The, the business had recovered in a way that felt more stable, but I found myself asking at the end of that year, did we just get lucky or did really, we really know what we were doing or where we were going? And it was through a series of, of, you know, classes and courses on leadership that I was fortunate enough and kind of, you know, the luck just happened that I, you know, chose some that were impactful. And I met folks like you, and that really helped solidify in my mind that I needed a framework uh, to run the business from a relational and people perspective, right? We need operational frameworks. We need sales process frameworks. We need you know, financial models, right? We need all of those things. Um, and we had, we had some to some degree, but what we didn't have was a cultural framework that would uh, inform all of the new people coming in and all the people that worked at Woodard. Here's how we act. Here's how we behave. Here's how we treat each other. And here's why we do it and connect those things back to the business about what we're going to do tomorrow, where we're going, how do we serve the customer and what value do we create? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't, I actually don't think I knew all of that backstory. So um, now it's like all really become making more sense. I'm getting little pieces I'm putting together here. This is great. All right. Well, tell us about this framework then, this cultural framework that that you ended up developing, you and your team ended up developing. Yeah. We, um, we actually, we worked with, uh, you know, just to make sure that there's transparency, right? We worked with a company called Dialect, Andy Canefield and, and Mark Powers. Uh, they developed the identity framework that is really the basis for, you know, our implementation of it is uh, what we use at Woodard, but they're, uh, they're the components of this. They actually repeat in a process for all sorts of different companies. The framework is all about creating the identity of the organization. It's based on the idea or the philosophy or really the research that says the best way to get uh, an organization heading in the right direction is to recognize that there are 
uh, a variety of different groups of people that when they hear somebody speak or they engage with materials, uh, there's about four different ways that you can think about it. And if you aren't speaking to all four of those different lenses, you're going to miss people. You're going to leave them behind. You're going to, they're going to tune out because what you're saying isn't actually engaging them um, in a way that is meaningful or impactful to them. And the goal here is, is that if you get all four different types of people converging to one identity, but they'd have different pathways into that identity, you have the best chance of getting the most people on board or engaging with the cultural elements, you know, whether you call it a mission, vision, value, like the, the terminology at that point doesn't matter. It's really about how you get people to engage with the identity of the organization. Sure. Our identity, um, we, we just call it the Woodard way. Uh, the first group of people that we're trying to connect with are the analysts. Now, those are people that are uh, the folks that are like, okay, just tell me what we're going to do next. I need something to work on. I want it to be really cool and exciting. What is it? The other type of person is a vision vision type person, right? And this is the type of person that's saying, hey, where are we going? What is, what is out there for the future? I want to look at it from a big picture. And if you kind of point me in the right direction, I'll, that's going to be enough for me. Then just tell me the details. And But I really want to know where we're going. The third group is all about like, who are we doing it with? Right? They're the folks looking around to their coworkers and saying, okay, okay, how is everybody connected here? Who, who's working here? How are we working together? Bridging those gaps between the different people. That's all about behaviors. How do we act around here? Right? What, what do we do and what do we not do? The fourth group of people is the folks that are looking out at the customer. They're saying, okay, what value do we create? Why are we even here? If we're not, if we're not talking about what we're doing to the customer with the customer, we aren't talking about anything at all. So just tell me what we're doing for the customer. And then if I, you know, that's my connection to, to the Woodard way. Every time I go in front of folks, I am looking to say a little bit of something that engages each of these different groups of people in conversation, in dialogue, that will then be able to tie back together to say what's most important and what are we working on and how are we going to get there. My vision for the future at Woodard is that we will be known for creating leaders in our industry, in our community, and in our company. We talk about the future and, and what that looks like and what we would need to do to be able to be known for creating leaders. Yeah. Okay. So we've got these, these kind of like four um, ways of interacting with the identity, right? And that's, that's, I'm guessing just depending on like in the individual, right? So as an individual, I might lean, you know, there might be several, but I might lean toward one in particular, just kind of how I'm wired a little bit. Right. And so you've got the analyst, you've got the visionary, um, you've got kind of that social connection piece, and then um, the customer focused kind of approach or idea. Right. So, yep. so Let's let's talk about this just in practice then. And you walked us through like how that translates to um, you know, what you're doing, your identity there at Woodard, the Woodard way. So in practice, then you let's say, you know, you've got whether it's a meeting or you've got an initiative or you've got something, like what would that then look like into how you make a decision and how you communicate? So you've you've got a, some decision thing that you're talking about with your team. Tell us about that. Sure. I think, uh, I think maybe a, a, a reasonable example is a, uh, like a quarterly, right? A quarterly meeting or some, some all-company meeting where you're going to be presenting parts of a strategic plan or the initiatives for that current quarter, right? That's one of the, the contexts where we're going to have a whole bunch of people in one room. And when I'm preparing for that or I'm working with my team to prepare the remarks, 
we just put the four buckets out there and say, how are we going to speak to each of these groups of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you are doing a quarterly and you're talking about here are the, here are the four rocks that we're going to do, you can be pretty pretty assured that the folks that are the analysts are going are to perk up at that moment, right? And so you're going to want to make sure, or we, we make sure when, when we're doing it or when I'm doing it, uh, that we uh, connect the main four capabilities that we believe at Woodard we need to our rocks on a regular basis, right? We say, hey, we've got, we've got this rock um, having to do with the, the water damage trucks. Uh, we've noticed that these four pieces of equipment have been failing on a regular basis. Over the next quarter, we're going to research uh, and figure out wh- what a good replacement is. And that's how we're going to, uh, you know, that's how we're going to move that team forward, right? And then we connect that and say, we're working on that because one of our core capabilities is to have the right tools and equipment for the job, right? And so we make that. And if we have the right tools and equipment for the job, that's really good because what we're doing, remember, we're promising to our customers we're going to be the most capable, but we know we can't be the most capable unless we have the right tools and equipment. We need other things too, right? Training, uh, you know, the, the, the right people, right? There's all sorts of other things, but we can tie one of those things all the way through to the customer. Um, and that's how we're looking to do that. Uh, oh, you know, each time we're, we're doing a rock or we have a particular initiative or we're giving out a recognition, right? That's the mm-hmm. other place we, we will do it. Uh, we give it out legendary service awards on a monthly basis. And uh, we give it legendary service awards for people that are showing capability and core values. Yeah. And I, I think this is so important too. I know. So one of the models that I that I use um, in my work is this, uh, it's, you know, kind of leading excellence and there's four quadrants and there's, uh, you know, like purpose and participation, performance and progression. And so it's a circle, but around the circle is this little band that says personalization. <laughs> and, you know, the reason being that like, there's not just like this one size fits all type of approach. And that, that is to anything, you know, benefits and all of that, but also in how we connect with them and help them connect with purpose. And that's really what I'm, what I'm hearing you talk about is we recognize that individuals have are different, that individuals, you know, kind of have, um, there are different things that help them connect to the identity of the organization. And if you go through and are very purposeful about communicating in that way and making sure all four of those components are there, then more people are going to feel that connection with the identity. And then therefore, of course, you know, act and make decisions and problem solve in alignment. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're exactly right. I, I have heard many um, different speakers talk about, you know, you want to get everybody on the same page. You want to get everybody aligned. You want to get, you want to get, you know, folks pointing in the right direction. Right. And, you know, frankly, my experience when I'm talking, if I just talk very naturally, uh, I lose like two thirds of the people. <laughs> right. Right. They're just like, who's this guy talking about? Right. And so I think it's a, you know, it's a kind of a humbling sort of experience to be able to look around and be like, okay, well, if one of my core roles is to get folks aligned, but every time I talk the way I would want to, only a third of the people are aligned, mm-hmm. I actually might need to talk a little differently. Mm-hmm. And this framework has really done. Uh, it's helped me a lot be able to recognize the thing I like actually talking about the most as, you know, maybe the, our opening segment can attest to is, is leadership. And how do we create this place where, you know, folks can uh, be the leader that they want to be in the moment or have mm-hmm. the leader that they need at that moment. And that's a, that's a vision for the future. We're not, we're not quite there yet in many different ways. And uh, recognizing that most people don't really want to think about the future. 
<laughs> right? Or are more interested in the very next step or what's happening with the customer or what's happening with their coworkers. That's really important to recognize and be able to say, oh, well, you know what? I can talk about those things too. Those are actually important to me also. I just like to start with this other one, right? And so a lot of times it's not really that we can't engage in these other areas. It's just, they're not our favorite. Right. Yeah. Because you're going to, you're going to naturally, whichever one you kind of resonate with most. So if you resonate with visionary most, right, then you're probably going to naturally speak in that way. And other people are, are may not just, they're not pulled along in the same way. And it actually, it turns out that it's actually really easy to figure out somebody's preference here, right? Because we have a one piece of paper that'll tell you everything about the Woodard way you need to know. And if you give that to somebody on their first day and they say, hey, read this, and they take five minutes to read it, and then you just say, hey, what part stands out? Yeah. Right. They're going to tell you immediately the, <laughs> right. the one on the four is they're going to say, they're going to, they're going to say, oh man, helping people get back to their lives. I love the idea that that's how we're going to, how we're going to help the customer. Now I know that's how, that's how you relate to and connect with this thing. So every time I'm going to, if I do need to have a one-on-one a, a -on -one conversation with you, I start with that one and that could lead us uh, mm -hmm. into different places and different conversations. And I'll have more of, you know, more of your attention or more of your, you know, ability to engage with the, with the material. Uh, if we enter from the place that you're most comfortable or the place that you like the most. Well, and here's the other reason for our listeners. I really want you to pay attention to this, but here's the other reason why I think this is so important. So I was just a couple of episodes ago talking with Carrie Siggins, and this came up in the conversation, which was this recent McKinsey study. And so McKinsey consulting, right? McKinsey did this study on purpose at work, uh, particularly because of the pandemic, so many people are reevaluating, you know, why am I here? All of those things. And what they found in this study is that um, I think it's something like 70% of US, this is US based, but um, US employees are saying that their sense of purpose is largely defined by their work. And I was kind of surprised by that initially, like when I first read it, because I'm thinking like, oh, family and faith and all of these other things. But then when you think about it, well, but what do we spend our time doing? I guess it does make sense, right? That 70% say, um, you know, that their purpose is largely defined by their work. But that only 18% get as much purpose from their work as they want. And this is particularly, there's particularly a divide between senior leaders, executives and senior leaders and um, frontline team members, frontline leaders, that mid-level management, that there's a, it's a big divide where frontline leaders don't feel like they're getting that purpose at work. And I think this is, is part of it because so often when we talk about the purpose of an organization, we're talking about the purpose statement and we go and repeat that purpose statement all the time. And we might try to connect the dots in our one preferred method that you were talking about, like that one preferred method that makes sense to us. And we repeat that all the time, but we're not connecting with everybody. And this gives people kind of this path, this framework to help have those conversations so that people can see how their work makes a difference. Because I feel pretty confident you could talk with any team member at your organization and they could know how the work they do matters because of the way that you talk about it with this, within this framework. That's the goal, right? I mean, being able to create more room for folks to tie together what they're passionate about with what they're doing today, you know, it, it, that that's that's really part of the dream that I have for everybody. And you know, I I I don't have as much confidence maybe as you, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> uh, because we do we still struggle with this. Being able to connect uh, 
you know, the individual work that somebody does on any one day with something that is truly meaningful and impactful to them, I'm telling you, it's, it is really hard. We talk about it a lot, you know, and we don't, we don't always get there, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's such an individual experience and, you know, to be able to create enough room to have the individual experience of meaningful work and try to tie everybody together in a common alignment. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you say it like that, it it actually doesn't even make any sense, but, but that's what we're trying to do. And so being able to have a broad, a little bit broader purpose or a purpose that can encompass a lot of different types of work, you know, that's why, you know, that's why I can say simultaneously, we're, we're trying to help people get back to their lives and all of the different services, I think help do that. Some are a little bit more dramatic than others. Some of them kind of feel a little bit uh, like they're they're harder to connect with, um, and I think I think that's just the challenge of leadership and the challenge of being able to create enough space where people can can connect with it and and talking about it in a good you know a way that that is impactful, um, and being able to be okay with it things adjusting over time. Right, the Woodard Way is uh, it does grow and does change a little bit, um, and it's got these components that are that are staying pretty pretty consistent, but how we engage with it, uh, you know, it's got it's got a little bit of a life of its own. And that I think is important to recognize as we bring new people into our, our teams and um, you know, engage with folks that have been here for a while and try to make sure that we're 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 keeping up with with their interests and the meaning that they want to 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 engage with. Well, let me ask you this too. It's just so when you think about it, when you talk about the Woodard Way and you know, kind of have these components, like how frequently are you speaking that language? Yeah, um, I I feel very strongly that the language needs to be spoken, or the, the the best way to have it penetrate and and have as many people as possible on the same page is that there has to be some sort of daily rhythm. Um, and so when I think about the Woodard way or the cultural framework of our company, we think about it in daily rhythms, in weekly rhythms, in monthly rhythms, quarterly rhythms, and annual rhythms. Right? There are components of all of those inside of how we um, operate the company. Um, you know, the, on the one side, uh, we actually we we wrote uh, the thirty-one days of the Woodard way, uh, and those are thirty-one different ways to engage with the our cultural framework and. You know, there's there's 31 because there's up to 31 days in the calendar, and every fifth of the month, if we're uh, you know meeting as a as a team, uh, we're pulling out and got a little spiral binder, and they're all over the place, and you just mm-hmm. go to number five, and somebody reads it, and then we talk and see if uh, see what it, see what it connects to today, yeah. um, and then you know from that we go to you know just annual rhythms of of how we celebrate a year, right, or how we recognize uh, anniversary milestones, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have a whole bunch of different elements that we put in between, uh, but I do believe it. it uh, without daily, uh, I don't. I think it has to be all of them up to daily uh, to really be able to have the impact uh, that that really that I guess I want to have. Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. All right, before we close out, I want to. Um, I have a little surprise for you. Actually, hold on just a second. Um, and I want to say I got to grab something off my whiteboard. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> if you can't see me, I'm grabbing something off my whiteboard. And I want to do this. I want to show you this just because, um, like the work that we do matters, and the interactions that we have with people matters. The conversations we're having, everything that you're talking about. And so I don't know if you remember this, but what I have in my hand, <laughs> I is, remember. Um, so it's a Chapman and Company leadership card. 
uh, with a little note. It was an, an, an encouragement <laughs> note um, that it's from Justin to to me, actually, from like five years ago. And I think that's just something that, um, you know, as we're all listening, is the, the words that we say matter, whether we're saying them, whether we're writing them in a note card, and they, they can last and have an impact that we may not even recognize. So I just wanted to show you that because um, it's still there. I'm pretty speechless, Jane. <laughs> I actually remember writing that note and those cards have actually had an impact on me in general. There's actually, I think there's six uh, Woodard Way cards mm-hmm. uh, that are modeled after that exact, uh, that exact card with, with six different, uh, you know, impactful leadership messages, um, you know, from, from how we think about leadership at Woodard. And I have a whole stack of those cards in my desk. And um, I do still think about my, you know, as the as the CEO, my role is uh, the the biggest decisions about you know what service line to go into next or what building to go right right the the most lar- the largest decisions and then uh, I need to be writing uh, those cards right those are the two those are the two top roles and uh, I appreciate the reminder that those are more impactful uh, than they they may seem to think that we get to have that impact on people is, is still a little overwhelming, but it, uh, it's important. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And I think it goes right back to what you said, which is anybody can be a leader to somebody at a time. Right. And so uh, what a great example of that. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up now. So just, uh, you know, our closing question, uh, thinking about our listeners who are improvement minded operations executives and managers, uh, what words of encouragement or advice would you leave our listeners with today? You know, so we were talking a little bit before we got started about falling, falling and failing. And for whatever reason, falling and failing has been on my mind recently. Um, I think I, Simon Sinek has been engaging with a, a little bit, but there's been a, a couple other places where uh, there's a nuance between falling and failing that I think has been impactful to me recently. And this idea that, uh, you know, when a little baby is learning how to walk, they don't actually fail when they are learning how to walk. They actually just fall down. Mm-hmm. and when they fall down, everybody around them knows that the only way to learn how to walk is that you have to fall down a whole bunch of times. And every, that means everybody claps when they fall down. And I, I, I think it's been, it's been easier for me to imagine that I could help other folks get back up or try the next hard thing if it is really just about falling down as opposed to they have to actually go through failure to get there, right? Because if you're going to fall down, like every, everybody knows that when you fall down, you get back up. Right. And if you are falling down, you're probably running really fast, you know, going through some obstacle course or trying something that you've never done before. And it's probably pretty reasonable that you've fallen down. Uh, and so I, I think so many of the, 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 the lean leadership lessons that I have engaged with kind of come back to this idea that you really got to fall a few times and you're never really going to fall unless you're doing something a little bit out of your comfort zone or a little bit more challenging than you did yesterday. And, you know, that's, that's why we have people around us to encourage us so that we will do those things. I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that we can be, that we will have created a little room for, you know, somebody to encourage somebody else uh, based on what we've been talking about. And, you know, if they have to fall down to get there, uh, all the better, right? Because the, I know you inspire people uh, to get back up and try new things. And I think that's what, uh, I think that's what, I think that's what we do for each other. When you see somebody fall down, you grab, 
you know, you grab their hand, you encourage them to get back up and, and, and go for it again. And if they need a little help, you help them a little. Oh, fantastic. What a way to close out today. Justin, thank you so much for joining the show, for sharing your perspectives and um, being here with our listeners today. You bet, Jamie. I had uh, as much fun as I did, I think, the first time I met you. Uh, you, you know, you continue your, your, your smile and your laugh are contagious. And the work that you do is uh, inspiring and extraordinarily helpful for so many people. And I love that I get to be close enough to see a little bit of it. So thank you. All right. Thank you. Justin summed it up. To be able to create enough room to have the individual experience of meaningful work and try to tie everybody together in a common alignment. You know, this is what makes purpose as a foundation just such a challenge. Helping people find purpose at work isn't just about the organization's purpose statement. And I think Justin's story today really helped to call out how important it is to have a clear framework, you know, something like the Woodard Way, to communicate it in ways that different people with different personalities and priorities feel pulled toward instead of just what matters to us and to draw the line between individual work activities and daily work to the values, the capabilities, the purpose, the strategic goals. In my leading excellence model, my three steps within the purpose quadrant are one, to clarify true north, two, to make it personal, and three, to connect the dots. And I think Justin just beautifully illustrated that today. After this Q1 executive series, there will be some episodes where I dig into this in more detail. Because I'm afraid that some people are getting lost in the whole idea of purpose at work and organizational purpose. And I want to help simplify and paint some pictures for you so that you can feel inspired and also capable of taking action on this front. Let's talk your next step. You know, one of the things I loved about Justin's message today was his discussion about being humble and self-aware and recognizing how he as a leader naturally gravitates to communicating to just one or maybe two of the four types of of processors or lenses. And I want you to become more aware of your own tendencies. So think about the four types of lenses that people view things through. The analyst, the visionary, uh, the social or connector, and that customer focus. And which one do you think you most identify with? And then here's the big part. Ready? The next time you're communicating a message with your team, pay attention to that message. Which one of the four types was your message more likely to land with? Which types, which lenses may not have felt pulled by your message? Who might have you accidentally skipped over? I'd be really interested in hearing what you learned through that. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, then you definitely want to go back and listen to last week's episode with Carrie Siggins, CEO at Stone Age, as she and I talked about culture and leadership development and building a bench. And I really just think that there's a lot of connection between that conversation and what we're talking about here with Justin. All right, next up in our executive series, we have Jeff Welch, who's going to talk about training and learning and development. Chris Wilson is going to share a story about improving flow, and we will wrap up with Greg Jacobson talking about moving from startup to scale up and what that means from leadership and a culture standpoint. I hope you'll join us. Until next time.